Welcome to episode 154 of the Daniel Yoris Podcast with today's guest, Ronnie Dupert. Let's go. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Joined here today by my man, Ronnie Dupert. Ron, thanks for being here, buddy. I know that it's been... Uh, Scheduling is tough for you with a full load of training clients in person. So making the time and carving the time out to do this is uh, not lost on me. So thank you very much for being here. Uh, it's great to see you, buddy. I appreciate you having me, man. Thank you. How's it going up there in Canada? Just for everyone at, yeah, it's it's actually, so where I live is actually like not that cold. And I know that you moved a little further south, like somewhat recently to get a, <laughs> escape from the cold. But like the past couple winters up here in Toronto haven't been, uh, haven't been that bad. And, um, it's, it's already happening. So I'm just going to put, put it out there for people who are listening and for, for Ron, for you as well. We're dealing with a little bit of a lag time here. Something's going on with the recording software. We can't seem to figure it out. So we're going to try and fight through this and, and, uh, just not be too far away. But if it seems like we're interrupting each other or like there's a delay in our reactions or whatever, um, we're going to do the best we can to, to get through this, but yeah, man, how are things for you? How's, uh, how's weather and whatnot, all that stuff you you got warm weather right now, or what's it like? Right now, it's right about like uh, 50, 50 degrees, sunny, you know, a little bit warmer. Last week, we did have, you know, 30-degree weather. We just didn't have the snow you had. You had quite a bit of snow. I saw you were out snowboarding and whatnot, but we didn't get any snow. We just had the cold and a little bit of ice, but other than that, work's been busy. You know, I'm training about 12 sessions sometimes a day, anywhere from 8 to eight to 12 sessions a day, so it's quite crazy right now, but, you know, it's the new year. People are trying to come in and get some sessions in, and it's, it's been, business is going good, so can't complain about that. Yeah, that is a that is a crazy workload, and I know what it's like. I've done it as well, and so I commend you for for doing that. But people who are not in this industry, and not to make this like, oh, our job is the hardest. Like our job is hard, but so is everyone else's job. And I think you love what you do. I love what I do, and so twelve sessions in a day doesn't feel like all that crazy, but it's uh it's very commendable to be able to do that to keep up your energy to keep up your you know just just your wit about you to give people the best service that you can every single one of those hours cuz it's only 1 hour for them they don't really recognize that it's like hour 10 or 11 for you so you've got to keep your energy up and got to be sharp on point because you know the services are not cheap and you want to give those people the best workout you can in that hour Oh yeah, always. Yeah, like like we always talk about we're supposed to be the best hour of their day. You know, they come in, they come to see us, sometimes they come in stressed sometimes they're super excited to be there sometimes they don't want to be there so you just kind of sometimes it's kind of funny i'm pretty sure how long have you been doing this for now would you say uh this will be like year nine ish nine ish for you and how old are you right now turning 30 this year 29 right now you're turning 30 so i'll be 28 actually next friday so um yeah i've been doing this for six years now but you know thank you sir thank you uh, it's kind of funny, like, so with what you're saying, like, how you always got to stay on for people, uh, people walk in all the time and they're like, uh, you sometimes got to switch your personality for that person based on how they come in, what they're walking in. So sometimes, have you ever seen that movie, uh, Split? The guy who has that, uh, personality no. disorder, he, no, you've never seen that movie. So this guy has like a personality disorder. He goes through, like he becomes a female at some point, becomes a child, becomes like a monster or something like that. That's kind of how I feel sometimes when I'm at work, just depending on the individual. I just had to switch my personality on the fly. So it's kind of crazy sometimes. And sometimes I feel like I'm going a little crazy, but you know, it's, it's just to make them the best, just make it the best part of their day, you know? 
Yeah, absolutely. I 100% understand what you're saying. Like that was that's exactly what in-person training is like. You can't just be a cheerleader or super high energy or super loud or super technical or super like whatever all the time. Like you've got to obviously be your own self and be your personality and let that come through your coaching. But at the same time, like you've got to meet meet clients where they're at. And sometimes people are having kind of a shitty day and they don't really want to talk or they're having uh, a shitty day and they do want to talk a lot about other stuff not related to workouts. And so you've always got to try and try and match that um, as well. And I would imagine that you train quite a diverse like population of clients. I'm sure there's younger people, older people, men, women, injuries, all sorts of stuff, right? All over the place, all over the place. Yeah. I've been doing this for, you know, like I said, I've been doing this for now almost six years. So as soon as I graduated college, I got right into work, but yeah, I've been working with high school athletes, children, my oldest client right now is like 78, I think. Um, that guy who's 78, by the way, is complete badass. Are we allowed to cuss a little bit on your podcast, by the way? Not going to drop anything Ab- crazy. Absolutely. But, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. This guy I trained is about 78 years old and he is a complete badass golfer. Uh, he just started doing like dance lessons with his wife. So he's kind of training to stay healthy for those things. He wants to stay mobile for golf. All that sort of things. But at the age of 78, the way he's moving now, the way he's been doing these things still, it's quite impressive. So he's just now he's also just trying to stay healthy overall. And he knows he's getting older. So right now it's like, you know, he doesn't try to come in. He doesn't want to come in and get crushed, but he wants to come in just so he feels good. and He can still do the things that he loves to do every single day. So. And is he someone who's been training? Like, did he train a lot when he was younger or has he picked up training much later in life? So he was actually a football player as like a as a younger person, like in his high school he played football. I think he was a I wanna say he was a defensive tackle. So he was actually a pretty stocky dude, I guess, when he was growing up. And he uh you know, he used to lift weights. He would tell me all the time he used to bench press like three hundred plus pounds, squat three hundred plus pounds, do all these crazy lifts, and then you know, as he kinda got older, you know how it is, you know. You graduate, you go to college, you do your things in college. And then once you get into the workforce, you kind of lose track of physical activity. You kind of just become a little more sedentary. Life gets in the way, you know, social life. He's also a uh, a business owner too. So, you know, being a business owner, being like a salesman, he's got to meet up with clients, meet up with them, go out to dinners, go out for drinks, you know, all that stuff added up over time to where, you know, once he got to a certain age, he realized he had to pick up training again just to kind of get himself back on track to where he can keep doing these things, keep rolling with his life, keep enjoying the things he wants to do without it taking too much of a toll on him where he wasn't able to do those things anymore. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's so there's so many things there to unpack, and I think we're going to kind of go through them because it's a great like launching off point to help people who are closer to our age and our you know demographic understand the importance of training from right now. So like even a lot of people, I'm sure like you've got a lot of friends at this point who are your age, who are like, you know, they used to play a sport in high school, maybe in university. And like now it's been a few years since university, college, whatever. And they've kind of like, you know, they started working, maybe they got a, you know, they have a, they're in a serious relationship or they got married or maybe they had a kid or anything like that. And they've just kind of let themselves go a little bit. And so they're getting to that point where they feel young enough that like, Hey, I can just go out and play basketball with the guys and not worry about it. But when they do that, everything hurts. They pull their hamstring. They like, you know, they just don't feel that good. And it's like, this is the time to really start dialing this stuff in so that when you're 70, you don't feel 
like in pain all the time, or you can at least delay that as much as you can. And I think that learning from people like your client who's like, hey, I know he he let it go and he's doing the best he can now, but I bet if he could go back, he would have kept training, maybe not, you know, squatting, you know, three, 400 pounds for, for reps all the time, but he would have kept training like right through his 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. Right, right. So actually, I'll bring that up to you again. So, so the most, most, the average clientele that the average age of the clientele I train right now, they're middle aged. So they're in their forties, fifties, you know, sixties. That's pretty much what I do consider middle age. But, uh, most of the people that start training, once they kind of get a month or two into training and they start seeing the, the results, uh, they tell you straight out of the gate, they go, I wish I was doing this way earlier on in my life. And I wish I did not hold back from starting this early on or this late in my life because I'm seeing the value. I'm seeing the change in body composition. I'm seeing the aches and pains go away. I'm seeing myself, you know, live my life. I'm seeing myself be happy again. I'm able to do things for my grandkids, my nieces, my own kids again. I'm able to participate, like you said, participate in sports again. I'm, you know, just overall, just the training itself just has such a positive impact on these people when they start getting back into it and they just realize that they put it off for too long to they to the point where they've dug they realize they've dug dug them they dug themselves into a hole and they're trying to get climb themselves out of the hole and they realize that if I didn't start this earlier enough I would I would just dig myself into a deeper hole and I'd just be in deeper shit than I am now. So totally agreed. And and the same experience has been for me. Like every single older client, anyone who's older than me, which is obviously, you know, most people that I've ever trained, they always say the same thing. Like, I wish I started this sooner. And that's not to say that like, if you don't start sooner, you're, you're, you can't do it. It's, you know, it's never too late to start, but the sooner you start, the better off you're going to be. And talk to anyone who's a little older than you, who's working out, who, if you're listening, talk to anyone they will tell you the same thing. So don't take it from us, you know, two guys under 30, like let's talk to someone older and they will for sure tell you that. Oh yeah, 100%. So, and then, you know, also when these clients do come in, so if we're going to talk about, um, now your clients, so how much, are you doing a lot more online training right now? Are you doing still, do you still have quite a bit of in-person clientele? I have a fair fair bit of in-person. I'm like 70, 30 online in-person. Gotcha. So uh, I'm, I'm a hundred percent in person. So, uh, and it's, uh, one of the things that is funny is that a lot of the clients we do get are people that come from these, uh, group training classes, such as things like, um, burn, burn body bootcamp, orange theory, um, pure bar, uh, cycle bar, all these like classes and they come in and, you know, they come into, they come into people like us who are, you know, developing programs for individuals. So we do the, personalized programs for these people and they come to see us because they do these group trainings. They think these workouts are like high intensity. Uh, they're going to get the results from, you know, just getting their ass kicked all the time, but their workouts aren't really tailored to them and their goals. So they're just not getting the results that they're after personally. So that's why they come in to see people like us. They're looking to kind of, to get a more of an individualized approach and they want to, and it's actually kind of funny. A lot more people actually get injured from these uh, group training classes such as like Burn Body Bootcamp and Orange Theory from the feedback I get from our when I do like a consultation with a brand new client because the coach just stands up there in the front of the room and like yells at them and tells them what to do. They don't really walk around, monitor exercise technique or tell them they're doing something right, doing something wrong. So 
uh, during that like initial session, I'm like, well, listen, like they tell me I've squatted, I've deadlifted, I've done bench pressing. I'm like, well, let me kind of see what all that stuff kind of looks like. And when I look at a lot of that stuff, it's like red flag this, red flag that. I'm like, we got, we got a little bit of work to do. We got, we got to clean up some things right here. No wonder why your low back is hurting. No wonder why your knee is hurting, uh, your shoulder is hurting. And I kid you not, these people that come in, just a small tweak. So I'll use this lady, for instance. Like she was squatting. She was told that she had to squat with her feet straight. Uh, knees had to go over toes. She had to try, try to sit as tall as you can, sit back. And she was maybe getting a quarter squat, doing a full, like a quarter squat, but mm-hmm. she was experiencing knee pain and back pain. And I was kind of like, how does it feel to sit on a toilet right now? Like, is it it's hard, is it hard for you to sit onto a toilet? And she says, no, I just, cause I don't sit on a toilet like this. I'm like, this is not how you sit on a toilet. No, I like, I, she says, I kind of spread my feet a little bit wider. And I said, okay, well, let's squat the same way that we sit on a toilet because it's <laughs> literally the same exact movement. Um, so I literally just adjusted her feet a little bit to make her feet turn out, turn her feet out just a little bit wider. She squatted super deep. Her, her ass actually literally almost touched her heels and it was like an Olympic squat. It was very impressive. And she was like pain-free, no knee pain, no back pain. And she just said right down there, just because we fixed a squat, she was like hooked on one-on-one training. And we've been training for like four months now. So it's fairly new client, but I mean, she's been hooked. So, wow. I mean, that, that is a, a, any in-person trainer who's been training, who's a good trainer, who's been training people for some amount of time has experienced the same story. You get this influx of clients coming from these group classes. And like, I have very often shit on the group classes on the, on the podcast. So I'm happy to go down this rabbit hole because I think that there's a lot of good things. And I don't want to like, I don't want to say like, you know, exercise is good. If you are doing a group class, if it's, if it's, if your options are that or sit on the couch and eat cookies, then obviously like go do the group class. Like exercise is better than no exercise. So let's like get that out of the way and, and all that stuff. However, if you're going to do something like let's do it right, let's do it in the way that gets you the best results, the most return on your effort, the most return on your financial investment and gets you actually what you what you want, which is to lose weight, feel better, build muscle, like all of those things. And so I think that, you know, the group classes are actually quite advanced because of the lack of instruction. If you get a bunch of advanced trainees, people who really know what they're doing, throw them in a group class, like, okay, we're going to do squats here. Then you're going to go sprint over there. Then you're doing, you know, whatever push press on, on this station and all that stuff. It's like, okay, bang. Cause they know how to do it and then go and like really rip that workout. But if these people are not advanced, they're not getting the benefit of that workout and they're putting themselves at such a risk of injury. Like all the group classes are basically just bad versions of CrossFit. And I, and I don't, <laughs> I don't see how that's wrong. And you, you left out the most important exercise of that circuit, the famous burpee, by the way. Oh, the famous burpee. Yeah, of course. <laughs> That's the biggest. Do you program uh, burpees for your clients ever? All the time. No, no, heck no. Heck no. No, I'm a, <laughs> I'm against the burpee a hundred percent. And actually it's kind of funny. A lot of people just, uh, you know, uh, there's that push up portion of the burpee. I guess what you can say the push up portion of the burpee where it's not really controlled. <laughs> They're just flopping on the ground, coming back up. Um, whenever I have someone like just do a push up or an assessment, it looks like they're trying to do a burpee on the floor. Like they're trying to hump the floor and it's like, well, let's actually learn how to do a push up right. Cause they do a push up like that. They'll like look like their, their lower back is arching. Their hips are touching the floor before the chest. Um, 
and they're maybe doing like, they think they're doing 15, 20 quality push-ups, but then once you kind of cue them a couple different ways, hey, listen, this push, the push-up's actually a full-body exercise here. I want you to actually cue you here with your legs. I want you to lock your legs out. I want you to squeeze your glutes. I want you to brace your core. And I also want you to take your hands and screw them into the floor. I've had clients go from 20 to three push-ups at once. And they're just like, this is a lot harder yeah. than I thought. I said, yeah, because because these group classes, they're not teaching how to do these things right. And this is actually how you do a quality push-up. But we're going to progress. We're going to build you up and we're going to get you back up to that 20. It's going to take a little bit of time. But if you trust me and we know and you can do these things correctly, you're going to build up in no time. I think a big thing that people will miss with everything you just said, and I kind of want to, I want to not to like shit on it, but I want to actually break the the burpee down specifically and, and keep going with that. But a lot of people miss the point of exercise that because you can do 20 bad pushups versus three proper pushups, the point of your workout is not to be able to do a certain number of pushups. The point of most people's workout is to build muscle, build strength and lose fat and feel better. So the number of pushups that you can do has no relevance to any of those things. The quality of the movement that you're doing is the thing that is going to get you those results. So never, so for people who are listening, like keep in mind why you're working out. Your goal with working out, you didn't join the gym to be able to do 30 pushups. You join the gym to feel better. And doing pushups correctly, regardless of the number that you do, is going to make you feel better than doing them incorrectly. And that is completely correct, everyone. So just, you know, learning how to do the things properly first will, one, like get you the best results you're after. And then two, but it also keep you healthy in the long run, too. So if you are doing, like Dan said here, if you're doing 20 shitty push-ups, you're more than likely to, one, not get the results you want. And then two, also potentially hurt yourself in the process, too. So just make sure that you are, you know, um, prioritizing the quality over the quantity first. And then if you can prioritize the quality first, the quantity will precede that after that. So. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so let's, let's just go back in on the burpee as an example, because it's an exercise that everyone is or most, for the most part are, are familiar with, right? Why don't you like to program it? I honestly think the reason why I don't program the burpee is because it's just, people just think it's super high, it's a super high intensity exercise. And I think there's just too much risk versus reward on it. Plus the reps of a burpee, uh, they just, especially when you get fatigued, they just go to complete shit. They don't look good. You know, it looks like they're quote unquote humping the floor once they get down to the floor. But also I find that group classes actually, actually have this conversation with my coworker all the time that burpees, I think are the biggest time waster for any kind of group class. I think it's just a filler exercise for most class. So when, uh, a group instructor at like Burn Body Bootcamp runs out of ideas what to do. They just throw that burpee in there because it's, they know it's going to get someone's heart rate up. It's going to be intense and the people are going to be sweating. And when people, when people have the higher heart rate and they're sweating like crazy, they assume that they're having a great workout until later on that day or the next day, their shoulders, their back, their knees are hurting them. So I think well, actually it's kind of funny. I think perfectly. But ideally, actually, it's kind of funny, a proper burpee. I mean, if you do it right, it's actually really not that bad of an exercise, especially if you actually do it more of a in like a slow-mo fashion. So if you actually, you know, focused on slowly crawling down to the floor, doing a, a good push-up, pushing yourself up and off the floor real quick, stepping yourself back up, and then actually just doing a little quick jump, your heart rate will still go up. It's it's not going to be as intense, but there's if you do it that way, there's a lot more reward doing it that way versus doing it the other way. But actually, in, instead of the um, instead of the burpee, I actually prefer 
if someone's a bit a little bit more advanced, like the burpee, I, I would would you consider the burpee to be a advanced exercise? Yeah, a- absolutely. So from more of like a movement and more of like a safer um, exercise standpoint, even though it's a little bit more complex down the line, I'm actually a huge fan of Turkish get-ups. I'm not. I know a yeah, lot of people. I, don't I mean, really I like it. It's not. It's not one that I've. It's not one that I've used a, a ton, but I think because it's slower by nature, and you are forced to kind of organize your body and movement and stay more stable, it tends it or lends itself to being done with better quality on average, m- much more than a burpee is done. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And especially when you. Uh, so Turkish get up, it's a very complex exercise. There's actually like seven steps to the exercise itself. So if you can break it down, there's a total of seven things to master before actually doing the full Turkish, Turkish get up itself. But it's a much slower exercise. And if you keep, if you do it like between, uh, you can do it in a warm up. It's definitely a good warm up exercise if you do master it because it does get the heart rate up a little bit, but you're also taking your body through like full range of motion of everything you're doing. Lots of hip mobility, some shoulder stability work, and you're also getting your core to work too with um, – if, especially if you're holding a kettlebell overhead when you're doing it or just a dumbbell, you are getting a lot of core work in that as well. So it actually is a great warm-up exercise if you do know how to do it properly. I think that that's a, that's a real key there is that it, it's a phenomenal warm-up exercise. And unless you specifically like want to get better at Turkish get-ups, it shouldn't really be like – part of your main work, but like one of the, what I believe is one of the biggest drawbacks of an exercise like a Turkish getup or more specifically like a burpee is often what most people deem to be one of the biggest benefits is that like, it's a quote unquote full body exercise. It does everything that you need to do. And it's like, by doing that, it also accomplishes nothing really well. It just does a lot of stuff kind of poorly and doesn't really do anything that well. Versus at least in the Turkish getup, you've got to slow down. You break it into into the set into the seven segments of the movement. You've got to brace. You've got to rotate. You've got to press. You got to stand. Like you got to do a bunch of different things. And each of those steps is an individual portion. Versus the burpee is just like how fast can you flop up and down on the floor and 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 get it done. And like yeah, it gets your heart rate up. Cool. But is that really getting you an effective workout? Like probably not versus at least Turkish getup is building some strength and some stability and more body awareness, which is a really important step for a lot of people. Oh yeah. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. And it's actually, I actually, the Turkish getup is actually a pain to teach. It really is. But yeah. I was actually fortunate enough to have one of, I was actually fortunate enough to actually have one of my clients recently say, I want to learn a Turkish getup. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You really want me to teach you the Turkish getup? Because <laughs> He, he he was a guy that was uh, – so he came in. He has uh, spinosis, right? I think that's – yes. And uh, he was like terrified to come in and lift at first. Like he was uh, – didn't want to like lift heavy weights, just wanted to kind of get himself going. Wanted to, he, he came for his, for his initial session. He told me how he, how he wanted to run the sessions. So he was like in <laughs> control first. And I was just like, sure, we'll, we'll let you roll with it. And once I kind of progressed him over to like the first time like in like – Three months, the first three months we were training, we progressed kind of quick. I was actually able to get him away from kettlebell deadlifting and RDLs to a trap bar deadlift. And when we got to the trap bar deadlift, he said he didn't want to break 135 pounds, but he wanted to do it for like 20 plus reps. And I had to explain to him saying, that's going to cause 
more harm than good just because you're going to get so fatigued from doing it. You're loading your spine, you're loading your lower body. And it, just because you're doing such high reps, you're more than likely to get fatigued from actually doing a hard five repetitions at a heavier weight. We can actually really focus on bracing, ma- maximizing your full body tension, and then learning to actually lift that weight up properly. So preferably I taught him that lower reps for this trap are deadlift, maybe breaking the 10 here and there, most likely just eight, not 10. But we came to agreement on that. We learned that and now he's actually deadlifting well over 300 pounds for like eight reps and he's doing it comfortably. No, no back pain, no nothing. But because we got so comfortable training together, we've been training together now for two years straight or well over two years straight now. He was just came in one day, he goes, I want to learn to Turkish get up. And I was just like, dude, really? So we had to break it down step by step. It took a couple of sessions and I mean, he can do it now. I mean, I probably, I think I took a video of him doing it not too long ago. It's just not on my Instagram yet, but he, uh, he does them absolutely great now, but it took a couple of weeks to get him down to it. And just me getting on the floor with him, teaching him how to do it step by step was just, yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, it's a tough one, but, but it's, it's rewarding and it's almost nice when, when clients come in and want to get into that more advanced stuff, especially people like that who came in from from obviously a very cautious perspective, like, hey, I don't want to do this. I don't want to lift too heavy because of X, Y, Z reasons, right, wrong, or otherwise. Uh, but now it's like, hey, I want to do a Turkish get-up or I want to deadlift like a little bit heavier or I want to like, can we try bench press with a bar? Or, like, can I get my first pull-up? Like these kind of questions coming from people who come into the gym, like, oh, I'm not really like sure what to do. Like, should I lift over 10 pounds? Like, can, it, can I do like less than 10 reps? Like these kind of things as people become more advanced are, are amazing, amazing, uh, progressions to see. I think that one of those very underrated things that you mentioned in regards to this client is people being afraid of lifting heavier weights. And it's not even so much of the, like the typically female reaction of, I don't want to lift heavy because I don't want to get bulky, but it's like, I don't want to lift heavy because I don't want to get injured. And then we put arbitrary numbers around it. Like this client, you're saying he didn't want to lift over 135. Well, where did he come up with that number? Just because they make plates in 45 pound increments. So that's one plate, but like, there's no analysis of like why 135 pounds specifically would be like too much for him. It's just for whatever reason in his head, he convinced himself that 135 pounds is like the limit, not realizing by no fault of his own, that more volume is actually more likely to injure him rather than learning to be strong and kind of bearing down and learning to brace and lifting a little bit heavier for, for lower reps. So I think that that's one of those real, those, those big things that, that, people learn a lot from having a coach is these tiny misconceptions that just make no sense. And when it's, and again, no fault of their own, but when it's explained to you in a way that's like, oh yeah, I guess, I guess that's right. That does seem quite logical. And then you actually make progress. What do you know? Oh yeah. And his progress has actually been like through the roof now. Yo, he came in actually, we trained one day after uh, he did a, a turkey trot on Thanksgiving last year. And he came in and he's like, he actually came in in tears. He said, Ron, I can't believe that uh, all the progress we've made the last year and a half, two years now, I've, I was actually able to run my first 5K with my kid pain-free. So that was like, wow. and we just lifted heavy stuff. We just lifted heavy stuff. Honestly, we just learned that, like you said, more volume isn't going to be the answer. But if we do these things properly, you're going to see the progress are after. And yeah, he came in tears and he said, he ran his first 5K with his kid and that that made me tear up a little bit too, honestly, because this guy is like a, uh, he's quite a badass. If you ask me, he comes in, he's like a super tough dude, like ready to hit it hard all the time. He's one of those clients that just wants to come and hit it hard. He'll talk and he'll crack jokes here and there, but he's like there to work. And just the fact that he came in kind of in tears that one day kind of struck me. And I'm like, yep, you know what? I'm happy that we've made this progress and 
I'm happy for you, man. That's great. That's great. That's that's what's rewarding about yeah, our career too. This is, is the when thing you, again. It's it's the uh, it's like the little things that matter for us as trainers. It's not like we're trying to train you to become some kind of monster, some kind of beast. No, we we are trying to train you for real life actions. Like so, like for instance, like you want to be able to you know run the five k like my one client did and now he can do it pain-free and yes we did lift we did lift some heavy weights here and there but we trained smart we trained with progressions regressions and we were able to stay healthy in the process to the point where we were able to make this happen for him and just for that it's rewarding and that's why he's sticking to the style of training that we're doing he's not doing anything too extreme he's just still doing the things he can every day just so he can live his life and be with his kids so yeah, it's sticking to those basics and training and training for real life. That's what most people need to be training for is just regular life. There's very, very few clients if you work at a you know like a regular gym where they're coming in. It's like, hey, I really people will say that like oh, I want to get a six pack, I want to get this, I want to you know do that. But then when it comes down to like, hey, here's what you got to do to like get that. Like, eh, you know, maybe maybe not. I just kind of want to feel a little bit better, lose a little bit of fat, but not like all. Oh, I don't want to. I don't need to be bone shredded. Um, you know, I just want to, just want to feel better. And like, these are the things that, that matter the most being able to run the 5k, like you said, just, just being pain-free. Um, I want to talk a little bit about more about how you program for these clients. So are there specific workout splits that you go to? And now it's going to depend on the client, obviously. And like, if they have any injuries or all that stuff, but how do you think about organizing training? What's your process like for coming up with workout programs for, for your clients? So the average individual, like these days, everyone's because of COVID back in two years ago, was that th- wow, almost four, four years ago now, pretty much. Um, <laughs> everyone's got these work from home jobs. You know, they're very sedentary. They're sitting at a desk, taking Zoom calls, phone calls, all these crazy things. So how we structure workouts or pretty much when I view like a workout for someone, most people only train with me probably twice, maybe three times a week. And then they may do some stuff on their own, whether it's zone two cardio or just a little conditioning on their own. They may want to do an extra strength session, uh, strength session on their own. But, uh, when programming for them, we just want to keep them healthy, keep them mobile, uh, make sure they can do things, do their life tasks properly. So, uh, we stick to the, uh, six foundational movement patterns. I don't know if you have you ever done John Rusin's PPSC program or his, his certification. He's big on the I haven't, hinge, but squat. I'm loosely familiar with it. Yeah, so he's big on the squat, hinge, push, pull, carry. Uh, did I miss one? Lunge. So there's the six foundational movement patterns Lunge. right there. And then also rotate. So uh, the workouts that we do are always revolve around those kind of movements. So uh, basically every session they come every session they come into, they're doing at least one variation of those exercises each session just because uh, they're sedentary. They do something to strengthen their glutes because if they're sitting all day, their glutes are going to be, you know, not working properly. Their hips are going to be tight. Uh, they're going to want to do things to a lot of people, especially male, for instance, actually we'll, we'll throw, we can throw female in there too. Female want to, you know, shape up their triceps because beach season's coming, dress season's coming, wedding season's coming up. Um, and, Men just want to get a bigger chest for the most part. When I train them, that's like their big goal. They, they've never had, they've never had a big chest. So we are going to do some bench press exercises. We're going to do some push-ups, things like that. Uh, female, same exact thing, especially if they are looking to, uh, train the triceps and 
things like that. But we also, because everyone's sitting over a desk all day and working on a computer, just doing so much pressing exercises, that's going to just tighten up their chest too much to the point where the shoulders are rounded forward and it's going to cause shoulder injury. So that's why it's important to also program a pulling exercise in the, into the session where they're going to do some kind of maybe a horizontal pull, such as like a row, a dumbbell row, chest foot row. Um, we do a lot of band pull-aparts just because that's just a great exercise to strengthen the upper back and also loosen up the front of your chest. Uh, and then also things like, you know, you still want to do some vertical pulling as well. So either a horizontal pull or a uh, vertical pull. Uh, so we covered those two things. Obviously, some kind of squat or lunge. So that's like a knee dominant exercise. And those are temporarily going to target your quadriceps, the front of your legs, also some hamstrings. And then also you want to make sure you are doing some kind of hinge. And the hinge is important because it's how you're supposed to pick something up off the ground. Like people is the hinge is actually the hardest movement pattern for someone to do because most people, when they pick up objects off the floor, they, they round their back, they slouch over and they pick these things up. And that that's where they throw their back out. That's where these lower back injuries come because mm-hmm. they just didn't know how to properly do this movement pattern. And during like an initial session with a client, like a new person that comes in, 90% of them can't hinge properly. And when you teach them how to hinge properly, like, especially, uh, it's kind of funny. So like, even like a female, like if you get a female client, what's like one of the biggest things they want to target? Like what muscle group? Glutes always. It, always, right? Always glutes. And so when they do a hip hinge for the first time, so we teach them how to do a Romanian deadlift and I teach them how to do it with like a dowel rod. Like I have them hold the dowel rod over the, like in front of them and they have them hinge. I teach them how to probably do the hinge and, and they feel their, they feel their hamstrings. The more so they feel their glutes and their, their facial reaction when they feel those muscles work for the first time is priceless. <laughs> their eyes light up. Yeah. They go bug eyed and they're just like mind blown. They said, I've been doing this wrong the, my entire life. And I said, just so you know, we're going to be doing a ton of these because if you want to grow your glutes, these things are going to be like a, a staple into your programming. So learning how to do these things properly and then learning if, once we do it properly, we can load it a little bit more. Let's not get, let's not get nervous about going a little bit heavier, but cause this is how you're going to get stronger. This is how you're going to actually get to develop that area. So, um, but yeah, when we program, we stick to those six foundation of movement patterns. Each workout consists of a push, a pull, hinge, squat, or a lunge. And then we also do some kind of maybe loaded carry depending on the session. And then also some kind of maybe rotation or anti-rotational exercise, such as like a pal off press or, um, we also get into things like dead bugs and other core exercises because you do want to hit, mm-hmm. Um, other areas of the core. So you do want to do things such as, uh, the anti-rotation, anti-flexion or yeah, anti-extension and then anti-lateral flexion. What means anti-lateral flexion guys just means resisting bending from side to side and anti just means resisting from all sorts of different directions. So anti-extension just means resist, resisting from uh, extending too much. And then anti-rotation means resisting rotation. So I think the real important thing for people to take from from all of that is are, are two things. One, most people would do best unless you're a professional athlete or have like some crazy goals to do you know, two to three full body workouts per week. If you're going over three three workouts per week, which way less people need to do more than three strength training workouts in a week than they think they do, like less better is better not more is better right better workouts are better if you're hitting three to three workouts a week you can pretty well get away with full body workouts for the entirety of your career workout career more than three maybe you want to maybe you want to split that up a little bit but most people again don't need more than three and two is that you don't need 
a hundred exercises in a workout. A full body workout doesn't mean do every single exercise that you know, every single workout. It's like pick from the buckets, right? There's only a few exercises. Like you said, there's the six movement patterns more or less. And some people call it five, some people call it eight, whatever it is. There's a few movement patterns. You pick one from each of those buckets and that's going to get you somewhere between six and you know, maximum like 10 exercises in a workout. And if you're doing that and you do those well and you progressively overload those exercises, then you're doing great. And it doesn't have to be much more complicated than that. But I think with all of the stuff on the internet, it has become much more complicated and people get in arguments online that I see about what's the best workout split and do this variation of this exercise versus this variation of this exercise. And it's like, it's cool to talk about this, but for 99% of the people, it literally doesn't matter. Do one of the basic exercises six to eight workouts or exercises per workout, three full body workouts a week forever and ever. And you're good. And then, uh, so back to the, like, so we, like you said, sticking to the same exercises is very important, especially when you can progressive overload them. It's got, that's how you guys are Mm going to get the best results. But if you guys feel like the need that you guys have been, you guys are starting to get bored of doing the same like reverse lunge or the same like squat variation. I mean, switch it up. Switch how you hold the dumbbell. You can. You don't have to hold the dumbbells to your sides the entire time. You can hold it in a gallop position. You can hold it in one hand. You can hold it in the op- the other hand. Uh, you could. Uh, you could add in like a pulse or one and a half rep. Those suck by all means. When I got a client <laughs> who wants to come in, she and they're like, I want to be sore. I'm like, it's so easy to make someone sore, and that's just what they want. But so by all means, my default, if someone wants to be sore, I just throw in the one and a half rep and. They're happy they're sore for the next three days, but it's it's just ways to challenge yourself there. You can also elevate your front foot. You can elevate your back foot and do like a rear foot elevated split squat. Those make people sore for days on days on days. I don't know why people like to do them. I mean, I do them weekly and they just always, they're just very humbling. But um, this is what, if you guys really just want to like switch things up, just change how you load the exercise, just change your tempos. There's other ways, but just stick to the realm of those exercises because those are the ones that are going to get you the best results. And those are the ones that are going to uh, make you uh, keep you feeling your best and also moving your best, which is the most important thing I think that should come out of a training session. Agreed. And I think, again, this is a thing that is missed by a lot of people, again, by no fault of their own, is understanding what you're actually doing. So you're doing a squat and the point of that is to get better at squatting. The differences in muscle activation between a goblet squat and a dumbbell front squat and a suitcase squat with the dumbbells beside you or holding a kettlebell instead of a dumbbell, like these differences are not zero, but they're pretty close to zero. So if you're getting so bored with doing a dumbbell squat, then just hold a different heavy thing in a different way. And it's more or less the same. And either even still, like you shouldn't, you shouldn't be getting that bored or should be trying to avoid getting bored because you should be trying to progress. And I think that when people start to actually track their workouts and be and concern themselves with, okay, last week I did 20 pounds, this week I want to do 25 pounds. When you concern yourself with that progression, it tends to eliminate a lot of the boredom that tends to come with it. If you're doing the same weight for the same reps and the same exercise for three months in a row, Yes, that is pretty boring and also not going to get you any results. But if you're actively progressing that exercise and watching yourself getting stronger and leaner and feeling better, then that's where the fun comes in. The fun is not necessarily in doing the thing. The fun is in the results that you get from doing the thing. And to do to get the results, you've got to progress and make the exercise more intense and make yourself get better. 
Yeah, so branching off that, what you just said, I think it's actually really important to stick to a routine for like a couple weeks in a row, whether it's like three, maybe up to six weeks at most. And stick with the same. I know it may seem like a long time for everyone, but if you can stick to this, like a routine for like uh, three to six weeks and just watch yourself progress, you'll be impressed with how strong you could possibly get as long as you were willing to challenge yourself and progressively overload within those six, those three to six weeks. You'll be shocked at how strong you actually get, how the muscle you'll put on, the lean tissue you'll be adding onto the body. If you're not willing to challenge yourself a little bit more and you kind of stay with the same rep scheme and the same like weight overall, you probably won't see the best results. You probably will get bored. But if you are, if you do like write these things down on a notebook, track your progress, and then say this week, this past week I did eight reps at this weight. This week I'm going to go for, uh, eight reps at a higher weight, or I'm going to try to beat my reps by one or two. That's progression. That's something you could always aim to do every single week. And that's why it's important to track your progress every single week. Uh, the only way or the only reason I think that you should maybe change some of the exercises you do during a training program is based. If you're limited on equipment, if you're limited on, a, if you go to a different, if you're traveling and you go to some other gym, I think that's when you should change, uh, how you load the X. That's where I think you should change up some of the program just to keep it, just to challenge yourself, but still make that progression that you're looking to get while you're doing this training program. Yeah, I agree. And maybe to clarify myself from before, I don't think that you should be just randomly doing goblet squat, dumbbell front squat, suitcase squat. Like, I don't think you should just be changing that week to week, but understand that they are like kind of the same things. Um, but you're right. The only reason you should be doing that stuff is if you, for whatever reason, you don't have access to the same equipment that you usually have, because otherwise, you know, just keep doing the same thing. And the other reason for that is you can't track your progress if you're not doing the same thing. If you're constantly doing similar but different exercises, well, the weight that you use for a goblet squat is not the weight that you use for a dumbbell front squat. So how can you accurately track whether you've progressed or not? You can't because they're two different. They're two different things. Like you'll use obviously different weights for those exercises. Um, so the importance even of just knowing that you're making progress is that you need to be able to do the same workouts over and over again, so that you can compare week on week the same thing rather than comparing different things that are similar but different. Right, and and the great thing about the the thing about uh, the great thing about keeping a logbook too is that like a lot of people like focus too much on scale and things like that for results. But if you actually track your logbook and you see you're making, you're getting stronger each week or you're seeing improvement with your training and your exercises, you're making progress. So that's just uh, like a huge non-scale victory to celebrate every single week. If you are noticing changes in your programming all the time. So that's just always something to be proud of. And that's always important to do is just make sure you are tracking with a logbook because that will hold you accountable and it'll keep you actually motivated to keep progressing as you move forward with the program. 100% agree. And that is super important for a lot of people, especially anyone who has any type of fear or anxiety around the scale is finding some other way to measure your progress and measuring your strength is a, is a good one for that. Um, one other thing kind of related to this that I want to talk about before we start to, to close up here is based on these principles of these movement patterns, how different does a workout look that you program for yourself, for, you know, like a 40-year-old client or for your 70-year-old client? Do they look vastly different? And if so, you know, what are the differences really between the way that you would program those workouts? 
So the exercise selection is just going to be dependent on that individual. So maybe the 40-year-old. So let's just, let's just compare two 40-year-olds together. You got a, a 40-year-old male who's pretty mobile. Uh, he's been fairly active his entire life. And then you got another 40-year-old male who's works a sedentary job. He's tight as all can be. Uh, I'm probably going to be able to program, like say the 40 and the active 40 year old, he's been training for quite some time versus the inactive 40 year old. He's been not training for quite as long. I'd probably be able to program more advanced exercises for that individual versus instead of that, uh, individual who has not been training for as long, but they're still doing the same movement patterns. They're still going to do the push, the pull, Mm -hmm the squat or the lunge and the hinge, but they just, they're going to be doing it. They're going to be do, doing some other kind of variation. That's going to be still getting them the results they want, but they're going to be uh, doing it in a way where it's not going to hurt them or cause any harm to their body or anything like that. So, but usually the programs do look about the same from a exercise. Um, what is it? Exercise like movement pattern standpoint, but the exercise yeah. selection itself, the variation is going to vary based on the individual. So, yeah, super, super then important as, to, and to then, highlight. Go ahead, go ahead, sorry. And then, and then, as for myself, when I train, you know, I do more probably of the stupid stuff, just because, like, the test. Like, I did share an Instagram post last Friday saying Friday is my day where I feel my best after doing my other training sessions throughout the week. So this is where I actually push myself a little bit more. I lift a little bit heavier, and I also try new exercises. This is also where I actually am the dummy for my own training sessions to see if there's more risk yeah. versus more risk versus reward for this exercise for an for an individual. I'm not doing anything crazy like burpees though. I if I don't do them, <laughs> if I, if I don't do a certain exercise, my clients are not going to do that exercise. That's just my rule of thumb. I'm not going to make them do anything out of the ordinary just because I think it's it looks cool. No, I'm going to test the exercise myself, see if it's worth it, and then. Use it as a progression later on as someone, as someone, if I feel like someone is ready to do it, they, I can program it into their, their, uh, their training program later on. But yeah, my, to- my totally training I mean, a right lot now. The... Go ahead. Go ahead. Th- this lag is killing us. Uh, I was, yeah. I'm just sorry about that guys. Uh, I was going to say my training though is relatively the same as theirs. I still do the same like workouts every single week. The push, the pull, lunge or squat, and then a hinge. That's usually my workout. And I usually get through it in about 45 minutes. That's really all I need. And then I'm back to work after that. So, Yeah, man, totally agreed. I mean, I think, again, the thing to highlight there is that the differences between like an advanced, quote unquote, advanced workout and a beginner workout are actually a lot less than people think. And the structure of the workout should be roughly the same. There may be some differences in exercise selection. There will certainly be a difference in intensity. You know, you might lift heavier, you might like push a little bit harder, those kind of things. But the overall structure of the workout, if you look at it on paper, it's going to be mostly the same and as it should be. The other, the other side of that is like, there definitely has to be an element for trainers of this kind of like, you know, fuck around and find out. You see someone doing a new variation of something. It's like, oh, okay, that seems like it could be good or it could be completely stupid. Let me go try it. Let me test it on myself. And you see like, oh, that's actually good. Or that could be good for this specific client who has like this specific injury or pain. And so by doing this exercise at this different angle or this different loading mechanism is going to be good for that client. It doesn't make it a a good or bad exercise. It just makes it a good variation for that individual. So like we do a lot of experimenting and, and like 
like you, I don't show most of it because I realize like, okay, one, I didn't even like this. So I'm never going to use it. It's dumb. Two, I don't even know if it's good. So I'm never going to show this because like it could be completely stupid. I don't even know about it. So I got to like, you know, I got to like test it, test it on myself, work it out with some people, like figure out like, okay, is this valuable or is this, or is this just like cool looking for Instagram? And if it's just cool looking for Instagram, then it's basically useless and you can just, you know, discard it and never use it again. But you've got to, you got to keep experimenting and figuring out what works because everyone's got different little quirks and differences and and things that feel good or don't feel good to them, but you've got to have all those tools in your toolbox. And again, I think it's a sign of a very good trainer that you don't do, you don't give things to your clients that you wouldn't do yourself up to and including burpees. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And then, uh, finally, so I actually, I actually like to record my own exercises just because I like to look at how, how it looks like I have to see. And then if mm-hmm. I notice anything, it's like, how can I cue it better for myself? So I can actually cue it for them later on. So I know what to say to them. If it looks relatively the same or if it looks, you know, not really quite how it should be looking, just so I know what to say to them. If I fix it on myself, I know how to fix it on someone else as well too. So, or correct it on someone else. Yeah, totally agreed. And I mean, even worth it for anyone listening, right? If you're having trouble with an exercise, film yourself doing it. Cause then you can see like, oh yeah, I, I do this wrong. Right. You know, I, I fold my back over, or I flare my elbow, whatever it is. Then you can actually see it versus trying to watch yourself as you're doing it or just feel it. It's really difficult to do that. So it's a good, it's a good tip for anyone. Film yourself doing your exercises, watch it yourself or, you know, send it to your coach or, you know, ask one of us to like review it or whatever. Um, it, it helps a lot. It's a, it's a definitely a game changer. I think this was a pretty good discussion, Dan. It was a good day today. Yeah, man. This this has been good. And I think we're, I think, I don't know about you, but my patience is running slim with this delay. So let's, let's cut this off here because I think that we've done a really good job of giving, um, a lot of really practical advice for for real people who listen to this podcast. So uh, I appreciate you for for sharing with us and you know for for bearing with this technical difficulty and for everyone listening for for bearing with it as well. Hopefully, I'll be able to clean it up on the on the back end. So if you didn't notice any weird stuff in the way that we were communicating, then I did a really good job with <laughs> stitching this episode together. Otherwise, uh, you know, I apologize. But uh, Ronnie, any last message that you want to kind of leave the people with here in closing? I uh, hope you guys like you know get a, a good couple of takeaways from this podcast and learn to you know not every workout has to be super intense. You don't have to you know feel super sore after every single workout. Just learn to move right, and then once you learn to move right and you feel like you're executing the exercises right, load them up, lift a little bit heavier, change your rep schemes up, and I promise you that you guys are probably going to see the best results you guys have ever seen in your entire life. So you don't need no gimmicks. You guys really don't need any super crazy training program. Just stick to the basics, do the basics well, and then just overload them with some weights. Challenge yourself. And I promise you, especially if you are one who just doesn't want to get bulky or anything, there's a lot more stuff that goes into getting bulky than just lifting some heavier weights. Yeah, man, 100% agreed. Uh, very well said and, and an important message for everyone to hit that little rewind button, that 10 second rewind and re-listen to that last bit. But uh, Ron, thanks a lot, man. Um, where can people find you and get in touch and get in contact with you? Uh, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram. The uh, The name is at uh, coach Ron Dupert. And that's really the only social media platform that I'm currently on. I'm kind of a hermit on the social media platforms, but I'm trying to get better at it. 
maybe being a hermit on the social media platforms is the way. So I, I don't know about better or worse, <laughs> different strokes for different folks, but uh, Coach Ron Dupert on Instagram. Uh, Ron, thanks so much, man. I appreciate you. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. As always, uh, your time and attention is not lost on us, so thanks for tuning in. Please share the episode with a, with a friend, a family member, someone who you think would benefit from this and re-listen to it yourself as well. Give the episode a rating and review. All those good things. That's that. Go outside. Be a good person. See you next time.